I'm like very no nonsense tonight. I think I'm a little tired, so I'm like a little little no nonsense. So that might come across, but just funny because the title of my message. Are you ready? Ready to tell with your fingernails. Okay, the title is. You'll remember it. It's really easy. Nope, it's easy. It's happy. Yep, happy. Happy. The opposite of sad. H a p p y. Yeah, the right the regular spelling. The regular spelling. Okay, yeah, the title is happy, um, and we're gonna go to Matthew five. So if you wanna jump over there in your Bible apps. Okay. <laughs> There's more things. I have extra. Matthew 5, yes. Yep, Matthew 5. Yep, happy with two Ps, not happy. That's pretty weird. Okay, everybody, shh. I love your chatter, but I can't really talk over it very well. Um, okay, so we're going to be chatting about happiness a little bit here um in matthew 5 so there's an interesting thing happening here with jesus jesus has a long message that he basically speaks it's a very long stretch on where he's just like teaching uh which is pretty rare obviously like most of the gospels like matthew mark luke and john mostly are just stories about what jesus is doing with people people hating him him healing people stuff like that but in Matthew 5, there is like a very long stretch of Jesus just kind of laying down what his kingdom is going to be like. So if you've ever heard of the term the new covenant, the new covenant started when Jesus died on the cross and we got rid of the law and sacrifices and all of that. And that's all that stuff is called the old covenant. So Jesus comes on the scene, and after he dies, we come into this new era called the New Covenant, where we don't have to sacrifice anymore. So Jesus is kind of, um, a lot of people say, like, he actually spoke this a lot of places that he went when he taught um, this whole section. There's, like, probably a couple chapters worth, like, a lot, several chapters worth. It's really, really good. Yeah, Matthew 5 through 7, I believe, looks like. It's really good stuff. A lot of practical stuff. He just gives his opinion and his thoughts on a lot of different things. Um, but we're going to be focusing on Matthew 5, um, 2 through 11 or 12. I'm only going to get through, um, this is going to be a two-part message. I'm only going to get, so it's, this is happy part one, happy part two coming eventually. Um, so Jesus is talking here, and he's kind of laying down, like, in Matthew 5, in the beginning here, kind of the rules of how his kingdom works now. So you remember, like, back in the Old Testament, Moses wrote down the commandments, the Ten Commandments. Um, and those were basically commands that if you did not fulfill, you die. Or you have to, you know, kill an animal. You commit one tiny one, one big one. They have all the same weight. you got to kill something. 
Now Jesus is laying out, which is interesting, like 10 promises that lead to happiness, which is actually interesting. Um, but it's not about death anymore. It's not about sacrifice. Um, it's about, and this is not replacing the commandments. He has another spot where he says, all the law and can be summed up in love your neighbor as yourself and love the Lord your God with all your heart. Um, but this is like a list of blessings. So we're going to read through them really quick. Um, and I want you to think about it in the sense of blessed, where it says blessed, it means happy. So they say that the word blessed actually kind of translates to mean like happy is the man who blah. Happy are the poor in spirit. Happy are those who mourn. Um, so you can write that in your notes. Blessed means happy. Um, and this is kind of like a list of like nine or ten things that bring happiness in the kingdom. He's just saying, this is how my kingdom works. So I kind of just wanted to like lay some of these out for you guys um, so that you kind of understand the heart of Jesus and what it means to kind of be in the kingdom of God and what actually leads to true joy and happiness is literally this list of stuff right here. Um, and this is what Jesus was teaching. So we're going to go read through all of them really quick, and then we're going to highlight a few of them. So starting out, is everybody there who's going to be there? Okay, great. We're starting out in, well, I'll start out in verse 1. So seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, and saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. That's a pretty easy one. Blessed are the pure in heart. Now, this is a crazy statement. For they shall see God. They're going to literally see him with their eyes. That's a crazy one. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, which kind of mimics the first one. And then in verse 11 and 12, he says, Blessed are you when others revile you, um, which is like just to speak, speak nasty things about you, and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So when you read through these, um, they're like, okay, yeah, blessed is this person, blessed is this person. And it sounds a little, uh, they're all very vague. Like it's very vague and like, what is it even trying to say? Like, blessed are the meek, they're going to inherit the earth. Like that just sounds like. I don't even know what that means at all, like what, whatever. Um, so we're going to break down a couple of these, and then I'm going to finish breaking them down at another time. Part two, happy part two. Um, yeah, okay. So poor in spirit, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So it is interesting that he 
starts out with this one, he definitely starts out with it for a reason. Um, so to be poor in spirit is a is a weird concept. That like I didn't even know what that meant when I was looking it up. I was like I I had kind of I was like is that like the same thing as humility or is that like being a humble person or like what does being poor in spirit means? So being poor in spirit and you can write this down is basically understanding that you are spiritually bankrupt without God. You're spiritually bankrupt. You are poor. You have nothing. You bring nothing to the table. You did not get yourself up here on your own with your good deeds, um, with your personality, with your good morals. Like You didn't get yourself here on your own. You were spiritually bankrupt, and the only reason why there's anything in your account is because somebody very, very, very generous. Whoa, I'm going to fall over. (laughs) Someone very generous deposited a lot in your account. That is the only reason why you have anything in there. You did not do it yourself. You don't have a way of making money yourself. He does. Jesus does. And he did it. He filled up your account. So that concept of being poor in spirit is understanding that, like on a daily basis, understanding. Um, and even as this is the reason why he starts out this list this way is because there's a lot of like spiritual goals and stuff that you can read this list and be like, okay, meek, I need to be meek. Okay, hunger and thirst for righteousness. Okay, I need to do that. Uh, pure in heart, they need to take out. Okay, my heart needs to be pure now. Okay, well, work towards that. So he's starting out the list saying... You can't get there by yourself. You can see this beautiful list of happiness and blessings and think, okay, I'm going to do it. Like, I can do this stuff. Um, But even sometimes, once we have Jesus, we still try to do things in our own strength. We still try to um, seek him on our own. Um, And so he is saying, blessed are you, happy are you, when you realize that you don't bring anything to the table, that this is all me. And he says, yours is the kingdom of heaven. So you get the kingdom. And he says that at the beginning of this and at the end of it as kind of a bookmark, there are some things that Jesus says um, that are kind of mysterious. Like there's a reason why he bookended this like that, um, almost like a poem. But it's, anyways, it's just interesting. So that's what poor in spirit means. So when you're starting off this list, can you come to it understanding, I can't do this on my own? Uh, I think we just said that in the song. I'm not not sure. Is that one of the words? I don't remember. Um, Something in protector. So the next one, blessed are those who mourn, happy are those who mourn, they shall be comforted. And depending on what version you have, I'm sure it says like different words for some of these. Um, but that's what my Bible says in the ESV. Excuse me. Um, so to mourn means like to grieve, right? Uh, to mourn means to like grieve or hurt over something. And so kind of what he's talking about here is to grieve 
or hurt over sin in our life, in your life, or I even think um, to grieve over how sin has affected somebody else in your life. So really, it, anything bad that happens is usually a result of like a choice that someone has made, how sin has affected the world. Um, that's You have this natural grief that happens anytime something bad happens, right? Your body naturally reacts, and it grieves, and it, and it mourns. But then there's also this mourning that happens when there's sin in your life. And because you have the Holy Spirit living in you, you have a reaction to it. And your heart kind of like hurts a little bit. Um, So he's saying blessed are those who mourn because they're going to be comforted. The comforter, the Holy Spirit, is another name for the Holy Spirit is the comforter. So he comes in to your grief. And this could be, again, could be actual grief that you're feeling over over a loss of something or someone, or it could be grief over sin in your life that's like separating you from the Lord. And it's actually a path to something else. So if you don't know that, mourning and grief, this is just maybe some psychological fun talk, um, is a path to something else. It's not a destination. You don't stay there, but it's really important that you go through it whenever you have something bad that happens in your life. It's really important that you feel those bad feelings and react to what has happened because it leads you to action. So that's kind of the process of repentance, right? So whenever something you something bad happens, you do something bad. Like, for example, we're talking about David last week. We've been talking about David a lot. Um, what happens with him uh, when he takes Bathsheba and he sleeps with her and then he kills her husband. It's a very terrible story. He has a natural reaction to, like, a very disgusting and hurtful and terrible sin. And that's, like, grief. He literally is grieving over this like literal death that he's brought into his own life. And the Lord uses that grief and that mourning to push him to action. So if we don't have mourning or grief, we're actually not able to get to that action that the Lord is trying to get us to. And again, that can be literally grief, grieving over someone. If you're not, if you don't actually let yourself grieve, um, you're actually avoiding like a process that the Lord is wanting to bring you through, um, something he's wanting to guide you through to get you to the other side of something, like a revelation that you could get through that or anything. It's a process. So when we avoid it, we really miss out. So this is natural kind of repentance and grief. They're kind of, they're tied together, but they're just something, they're like a process that the Lord uses. So that's, blessed are those who mourn because they get comforted. The Holy Spirit comes in and he comforts you and he wraps his arms around you. Um, And when we're not grieving, the Holy Spirit can't come in and wrap his arms around us because we're like, everything's fine. Like, I'm good. I didn't do anything wrong. Nothing bad is happening. I don't need you. He's like, well, I can't come in and like talk to you unless you are grieving over what's happened. 
Um, and the more you get to know Jesus, the more you get to know the Holy Spirit, the more you, when something separates you from him, the more it'll affect you. And don't, it's not like every time you do the tiniest thing, you need to like be full-blown crying or something like that. That's silly. We don't, we don't need that. But it's just like some of us have, we each have like our thing we struggle with, right? And so that's kind of what I'm talking about. We have our things that are specific to us that are really difficult. And sometimes when we miss the mark with that thing, you feel that in your body, right? You feel that, ugh, like you have the option to choose to feel shame about it or you can grieve over it. Let the Holy Spirit come in, comfort you, talk to you, tell you what to do next. And then that's when your next part happens. But you miss out on that blessing of the Holy Spirit coming in and comforting you if you don't actually grieve. So that was a lot of words. Hopefully you guys like soaked that in. Um, I thought that was a really beautiful um, kind of picture of what it does. Oh, I'm sorry. I was going to ask questions. Let's go back to poor in spirit. I'm going to ask you a question to ask yourself, because I think those are important. Sorry. And then we'll go back to more. Okay. For a poor in spirit, back up there. Could I have gotten here on my own? It's a really important question to ask yourself. Be honest with yourself. Do you think you could have gotten here on your own? How much of this was you? How much of this was God? Next question. When I look at my life, what has God deposited in me that I never could have earned by myself? When I look at my life, what has God deposited in me or in my life that I never could have earned by myself? And those are those really important questions to ask yourself um, to remember, oh yeah, I didn't get here by myself. I am like spiritually bankrupt. I didn't do anything to get here. Okay, good on that. Do I need to repeat those questions? No, okay. Okay, so then the question for morning When I sin, does it sting? When I sin, does it sting? And then the next question is, what sins have I gotten comfortable with? Because that's kind of the dangerous place, right? Is when it doesn't sting anymore and just gets really comfortable. And maybe it stung at first, and it kind of felt bad at first, but now you've done it like several times and you've gotten really comfortable with it and you're not grieving anymore. And so now it's hard for the Holy Spirit to come in and do anything with it. Okay, those are the questions for morning. All right, number three is, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Just like the loftiest sentence anyone could ever say. Blessed are the meek. Happy are the meek. 
for they shall inherit the earth. Um, have you guys ever heard like the phrase, like as a meek as a mouse? Have you ever heard that? Maybe that's just like an old person phrase that I've heard. Um, maybe, yes, apparently. Um, meek as a mouse, like that's the thing people would say. Um, but meekness, again, he uses some words that um, I think when they were translating it into English, they had a hard time like nailing down exactly what he was trying to say. Um, so the word they came up with was meek, but it was like kind of a long explanation. So basically, to be meek, and you can write this down, a meek person is a powerful personality properly controlled. So meekness is not small. Meekness is not being small. It's not pretending to be small or pretending to be weak or um, it's not the same thing as humility. Um, meekness has to do with control over what you have. Um, meekness has to do with uh, balance, actually. Meekness is about knowing when it's time to step up and knowing when it's time to step back and say, this is not my job. Um, I can't force this anymore. Like, I can't push forward anymore. Um, that is kind of what meekness is. Like, a meek person knows when it's time to let God fight your battles and when to know when you're actually, like, forcing something to happen. Sorry. Or when you're trying to force your own way. So a lot of times um, we see this happen in people who are not meek. Mostly, I feel, when I read this, I think of people who have really assertive, like, strong personalities who always get their way. Right, and you guys know people, friends like that, who like we that you always go to the restaurant that they want to go to, or you always do the thing that they want to do because they always like push their way. A meek person understands how to control and like balance their personality, so it's like strength controlled. That's what meekness is. So it's interesting that he Jesus obviously fully embodied what meekness looks like because he was literally God in the flesh um, and yet he could have like snapped his fingers and made people disappear or killed people that were annoying or like all sorts of things. Could have made food appear for himself, could have made McDonald's appear for himself like if he wanted to. He was like, I know McDonald's is going to be like couple thousand years later but I heard it was really great and I could just make it appear right now if I want he can do anything he wants he could do any of those things but he kept it all under control per the father's will so someone who is living in meekness is really closely connected to what the father wants understanding like in in my life am I living out the father's will right now or am I living out my will? Am I pushing forward my agenda? Or am I living in what the Father wants for my life? And that is what Jesus beautifully did. Um, he also beautifully championed other people around him. So someone who is really good at meekness is really good at pushing other people forward. 
and knowing when it's time for them to step up and be a leader, but also understanding when it's time for others to step up and be a leader. Um, this is a really important part. I think people um, get stuck in either the leader or the follower when actually you're called to be both in and, and, and your whole life. You're going you're gonna to be called to do both. And that's what meekness is, is understanding when to do which. Um, understanding that you have talents and you have abilities in things that the Lord's called you to do, but sometimes there's a time you need to step back. Sometimes you need to let other people step up. Um, and sometimes you don't need to do anything at all because God has it under control. Um, yeah. So the promise for meekness, and again, this is a crazy one. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And this is kind of like a, we start to get into like happier ones, like being poor in spirit, that's not very fun. Being mourning, that's not very fun. Um, being meek, that's like more of a positive, and you're actually inheriting the earth. So what, is that, what does that mean to inherit the earth? It means favor. Um, inheriting the earth just means favor. So if you're looking for doors to open in your life, if you're looking to get into colleges, if you're looking to get on a team, if you're looking to uh, find the right person to marry, like we're talking, that's what favor is on your life. Favor is not just being humble and making yourself small all the time, but it's understanding the Father's will and just doing what he says, and he opens doors for you, left and right. So that's kind of like, that's how you inherit the earth. Like you have to, you have, to have a lot of favor and a lot of like good things going for you to say, uh, yes, I inherited the earth. It's all mine now. Uh, so, yeah. That's pretty much what that means. So if you're looking for favor, uh, for things to be open to go your way, the way that, the, to fulfill like the desires of your heart, that you maybe you're carrying dreams that the Lord has put inside of you, meekness is the way forward with that. Um, it's really coupled closely with humility, um, which is having a right understanding of who you are, always understanding that you're in submission to the Father. But it is a little bit different. Otherwise, he would have said, blessed are the humble, for they shall inherit the earth. But that's not what he said. That is not what he said. So the question, and then we're going to wrap this up because this is a short night. The question for this one is, do I force my own way? <laughs> do I force my own way or do I allow God and others to do what they want? Do I force my own way or do I allow God and others to do what they want? Because it's not just about uh, the Lord. It's also about other people in your life and preferring your brother. Second question for that is, do I help others accomplish their goals and dreams? Do I help others accomplish their goals and dreams? That is just like an interesting part of Jesus' character is he was God. 
and he literally could have done everything himself. And this is just God, God from the very top, gone from the very beginning, could have done, just lived his God life by himself. But he wanted to involve people. He wanted to uh, involve others. And Jesus was the same way. He learned from his father. He could have done all of this himself. He didn't need the disciples to, to do things. But he chose to push others forward. That was his plan all along. His plan, like, obviously people made a big deal about him. And, like, he is a big, he is a big deal. But he could have came on the scene and, like, been the king and been all these beautiful things, had people bowing down to him and worshiping him. But instead, he chose to surround himself with 12 guys and just live life with them for a few years during his ministry. And he was just a carpenter before that, nothing exciting. Um, and that's what he chose. He willingly chose that. And that's the crazy part of meekness is like, you're that, but you chose to do that. Like, that's the crazy part of meekness where people in the world will be like, you have this going for you, but yet you're choosing to help these people. You could do this all on your own. Don't you know, like, how talented you are? Don't you know how smart you are? Don't you know how able you are? Don't you know how much money you have? Blah, blah, blah. Why are you choosing to put your money here with these people? Why are you choosing to do this? And that's kind of the beauty of meekness, um, is choosing where you're putting your resources. So, yeah, those are my questions for you for meekness. The ones that come after this, some of them are a little crazy. Um, they're a little bit complicated, so we'll hit those later. Um, but I hope that you guys take those questions, kind of read over them. Really, I want you guys to just understand that the kingdom, and there's blessings and happiness here if you dig into it. Like, if you're looking for contentment, if you're looking for true joy that doesn't leave you, um, this is where you're going to find it in, in, these, in this passage. Jesus lays it out for us. He knows he made you, so he knows exactly what brings you contentment. He knows exactly what fills you with constant joy. Um, and to the opposite, he knows the things that make you depressed and make you feel really bad about yourself and not get anywhere. And you can read all those and do the opposite of them, and you can see like what leads you towards death, basically. Um, so yeah, those are my questions for you tonight. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, so we're gonna pray. Holy Spirit, I thank you so much for being with us tonight. Your kingdom is so beautiful, um, and I could have never come up with any of this myself. Uh, these words in here, this is all you. And we just thank you for knowing us so well, that you know exactly what brings us happiness. You know exactly what brings us true contentment, that thing that we're searching for to fill that empty space. You know exactly what that is. And you laid it out completely for us here. And I just thank you for that. And I just ask that you would take these words um, that we talked about tonight and that you would just let them sink into these students' hearts as they 
seek toward true contentment, um, that you would just reveal to them if they have not been seeking any of these things on this list, that they would begin to seek after what actually brings joy, seek after what actually brings true contentment. Um, I ask that you would just meet them in that time where they are, it's just you and them. I know this is about to be, and it already is, just a really busy, crazy time of year. But Holy Spirit, I just ask for a special grace to just meet each one of these students um, in a secret place, whether they're in the shower and they have like five minutes to themselves or they're in the car driving to school or driving somewhere or they just have five minutes at night before they go to bed um, and they're just sitting in bed. I just ask that you would meet them in that moment, Holy Spirit, and that you would speak to them. They would know that it's you and not just some crazy thought, but that they would know that it's you speaking to them. So I just thank you for each student here. I ask that you would fill their hearts and their lives with true joy that never, never runs out, 